Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. So, like I said, we are in Nehemiah today. Um, and I can't cover the entire book of Nehemiah, so we were just in the back section of Nehemiah. Um, if you follow the daily devotionals that the church provides, then you will be able to know what's going on. You read through Nehemiah with yourself, by yourself. Um, but uh, here's a little backstory: Nehemiah is an Israelite. He's a cupbearer of the king in Persia. Um, and so he hears about Jerusalem, and it's in shambles. The, the people are going through hard times, and the wall's not rebuilt and everything else. And so he prayfully um, asks God what to do, how to do it. Um, he gets uh, access from the king to come to Jerusalem, and he, he inspects everything first. He prays about it and then rallies all of Israel together to finish the wall in like 50 days. So this guy, he's a fantastic leader. You want to know how to be a good leader? read Nehemiah. Um, he's always asking God what to do, how to do it, and so um, it's just really, really good. So this happens, and so everything is going great, and then that's where our um, sermon picks up today. In Nehemiah chapter 7, um, we're going to read the last verse, verse 73, and then we're going to jump to chapter 8 and read verses 1 through 6. When you are there, say amen. amen. It's on the Sky Bible too, just so you know. All right, verse 73. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants, and all Israel lived in their towns. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. Chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Verse 4, And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood... Mattatiah, Shema, Enea, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Padeah, Mishael, Malkajah, Hashem, Hashpadananah, I think, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. If you're looking for baby names, these are all available. Thank you, thank you. Verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You get a lot of scripture today, okay? So be excited about that. This amazing event is, teaches us that God's word transforms. Somebody say amen. Who has been transformed by God's word? Yes, thank you. Two of you are believers. I love it. All right, the rest of you, we're going to have some work to do. (laughs) I'm just kidding. This is an epic moment in the Bible. Um, Basically, Israel has gone through so much. We've been going, seeing their history of the Old Testament of where they failed God, where they've been through exile and everything else been punished, and they're finally back in the promised land. 
And finally, again, they have the temple there and they have a wall around Jerusalem. Like things are looking good. And in the heat of this moment, they are just worshiping God. They're face to the ground like they're just praising God. And it, it, it brought me to think, like, how many of us praise God when everything is going great versus when everything is going terrible? Like when when do we actually seek God? Like a lot of times when we're going through problems and troubles, that's when we're really on our face before God. God, help me out in this area. I'm struggling. I need you. I need your protection. But a lot of times when everything seems to be good, it's a lot easier to stop reading your word, to stop praising God, to stop being on your face before God. And I I wonder why that is, first of all. But no matter why, this is a scene in Israel where there's this huge revival happening. It's an amazing revival, and all of the people are gathered together. And so for us, what we can get from this is that revival happens when the entire community is seeking God collectively. Whether you're going, whether you're going through terrible seasons right now or everything is great in your life right now, if we all would posture ourselves to praise God and seek Him, we will experience revival daily, not just once in a while, but constantly be transformed by God's Word. And this is a moment where the whole community is like, Ezra, bring the word, man. Like, I, we just want you to read God's word. Like, there's no funny stories. There's no segue sentences. There's no illustrations. Like, it's just the people in God's word. And the people just want to hear what God has to say. That's all they want. They want to know what God thinks of them and how they can best please God. And this is my opinion why this is happening. So take this with a grain of salt, okay? Israel has experienced so much drama, it seems like, throughout their history. And, And this moment has brought things into a new perspective. Because even since they've been back through exile, they have been ridiculed, they have been mocked. Um, They have had to constantly validate their actions, what they do, why they do to not only their neighbors and surrounding enemies, but also to kings. They've been rebuked. They've been disciplined. And so because of this, there's an epiphany that I believe took place where they're like, you know what? We just don't care what you think anymore. We don't we're not here to please you. We're not here to validate why we do what we do. We just want to know what God thinks of us. We want to know what God says about us. And so everything else can can be put away because I just want to know what God thinks. And I wonder if you ever get this way in your life. Do you ever get so tired of pleasing everybody? Who's a people pleaser in here? Do you, would you have any people like that? Yes? Where you're constantly like, you know what, you need to watch, you feel like you're walking on eggshells sometimes and you just want to make them happy. But in that you can get so crazy because you cannot please everyone all the time. You cannot. And even in that, even thinking about, wow, I wonder if I'm pleasing that person or not. Like, you can have craziness going on inside where a lot of times we just need to get to the heart of God's word and realize, you know what? That doesn't matter whether someone likes me or not or what I'm dealing with. I need to know what God thinks about me. I need to know how I can best please him. Because if you look at Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem, it was, Hosanna, Hosanna, you're the king. We love you. And then three days later, they're like, take him to the cross. Let him die. And so for us, like, you can't trust people, right? I mean, because one moment, someone's going to love you to death, and the next moment, they're going to hate you and betray you. I mean, that's people. People are fickle. So to fight that, we have to remember that God is in control. And like Stacy said this morning, we have a God who fights on our behalf. 
He fights for us. He is there for us. And when you start to realize what God thinks of you, it changes your atmosphere. Like everything becomes a lot clearer when you start to realize that God still loves you. He still cares about you and he wants the best for you. And there's a beautiful moment in Jerusalem because it's just God's people in their word. And they're being reminded us of how God is, is still loving them. He's still protected them through ever. He's still faithful to them. He's still caring for them. And they realize that they are not abandoned. and They're still wanted by God. Isn't that great to know that? That in your life, no matter what you've been through and what you've done against God, how you've sinned, that at the end of the day, God still wants you. He still chooses you. He still loves you, and he's not going to leave you. He still wants to protect you, despite what you've done. And this happens because God has put a desire, kind of like a void in our life, that only he can fill. This is something that only God can take care of for us. But we, you realize you're built for relationships. Do you notice this about yourself? You're built longing for other people. Maybe that's why you're people pleasing yourself or something. You, you want other people to like you. You want to be in relationship with other people. But what God has put there, a lot of other people try to fill with different things. And we try to just fill that with just people instead of people and God. And so if you, has anyone seen the Jerry Maguire movie? Raise your hand if you've seen it. Okay. Four people. We're going to use it. Why not? So you know in Jerry Maguire when um, uh, the guy's like, he sees the lady, and it's Renelle Zellwinger, whatever. Help me out. Yeah? Is it her? Okay. Cool. Don't talk back. It's fine. I'll just talk to myself. Um, so he sees her, and he's like, you complete me. You know, and he's longing for that person. And so a lot of us, we can go through these moments in our lives where we're looking for that person to uh, complete us. That is our other half. That is someone that will end up saving us or redeem us or whatever else. Or if I just find that person, if I just marry my soulmate, everything will be great. And in reality, that's not the case. That person you're putting your expectations on to save you, they're going to fail you. People are going to fail you. Your spouse is going to fail you. Maybe in your marriage, your spouse has already failed you sometimes. Don't look at him right now, okay? Don't do that, please. But we all have these voids. <laughs> You're killing me. We all have these voids, right? And we try to fill them with other things. And some people, it's people. Some people, it's well. Some people, you want to vicariously live through your kids because you weren't that great in high school, but your kids got talent. So you're like, yeah, yeah, I want to live through them. But in the end, you're putting so much pressure on your kid to live up to your dream and your expectation that they're going to fail you as well. And then how is that going to make them feel when they didn't live up to your expectations, right? So don't put that pressure on anyone else. The only way we can truly be complete is having a real intimate relationship with Christ. He is the one that completes all of us. Somebody say amen. So we have to get back to the basics. We have to do the simple things. We have to realize our identity in Christ first and trust God at his word. Let his word constantly transform you. You want to know what God thinks? Read his word. He tells you all the time. And you notice something. The more of God you want, the hungrier for his word you become. Have you realized this in your life? When you're seeking God, when you're on your face, like you want the word. You crave the word. And when you don't have it, you feel empty. You feel hungry. You're like, I didn't get the word in today. And so the more you're, you're, you're hungry for Jesus, the more of his word you will crave. And, and I think it's something that is awesome, but it's also terrible in our culture right now. Because we have access to the Bible, and it's so easy to get to the Bible, right? 
It's on your phone. It's easy to get a Bible around here. I mean, you have digital bulletin, everything else. And so what has happened is the Bible has been made so common that it's almost forgotten how sacred it actually is. Don't let this, this commonality of having access to God's word keep you from actually diving in and spending time with God. Amen. So turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 9. We'll start at verse 1 and read um, through verse 5. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. And for another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kanani, and they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pataiah, nailed it, said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. And one of the most important things we can understand is that God's word convicts. This is a word we don't always like to hear, right? We don't always like feeling convicted, but that's what God's word also does. And for Israel right now, this is a wonderful mixture of confession and praise. By just the sheer reading of God's word, their souls have been penetrated. And they see their sins laid out in front of them. And not only their sins, they see the sins of their ancestors and their people. And they're like, wow, like, God, you are revealing this to us. And it's, it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit does his best work when you open up to him. When you actually, like David said in the Psalms, like, clean me, God, search my heart. When you actually posture yourself that way, you would be amazed what God reveals in your life. When you're bold enough to pray that and ask God to search you, He'll search you, and he'll let you know. You just got to trust him. So I wonder if we can be a people like that. Can we constantly posture ourselves in a place where we desire to be vulnerable with God? Like you desire that. You desire, God, search my heart. I want to be holy. I want to look like you. I want to be more like you. Can we do that? Can we be willing to do that? Because in reality, God already knows your sins. Right? Can we all agree with that? God already knows. Why do you think you're hiding it from him when you're not confessing? Like, we think God doesn't know or something? I think it's ridiculous. And so all you're doing is, is you're letting that poison and that sin in your life just mess you up. It's not hurting God. It's only messing you up. Because confession brings freedom and peace. Jesus said in John that whoever sins is a slave to sin. So when the Holy Spirit is convicting you and he's wanting you to confess your sin, it's for your benefit. Like Jesus doesn't want you to be a slave to sin. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in peace. He wants you to walk in his strength. And so when he's convicting you, though it feels like it hurts, it's for your benefit. And we've got to start trusting God when he reveals those things to be like, you know what? It's okay. God is helping him out or helping us out. But God, who is rich in mercy and love, will not force you to confess and repent. He can make those things aware in your life, but you have to take the step of faith and confess your sin to God and trust him to transform you. Because the Holy Spirit desires to be invited. And so 
the Israelites in the moment, this, their openness to confess their sins and actually take responsibility for that, it exploded into this amazing worship experience. Like, they have come to this realization that, man, even though we've messed up, and we have completely sinned against God time and time and again. And our ancestors have sinned against God time and time and again. Like, he still wants us. He still loves us. He's still protecting us. Like, we are still not wiped out. Like, how amazing is God that he forgives you when he doesn't even have to? Like, that's a realization that will make you jump into praise. I mean, if you struggle with praise, you, you're not really understanding the gravity of what God is doing in your life and what he can do for your future. And when God reveals those things in your life that shouldn't be there, you can make a few different decisions. One thing we like to do is we immediately like to fight against it. Like, you shouldn't be doing that. No, I can't. It's okay. It's all right. Or we justify it. Like, my sin's not as big as their sin, so it's okay. I'm good. Until they get their act together, I'm good, Lord. Like, it's okay with me. And why do we do that, right? We, we say we love God and we say we want to be more like Jesus, but yet we don't submit our entire life to him. We keep those little areas away from God's control in our life and God's authority. And I wonder if it's because a lot of times we have this perverted lens through which we see God. I mean, most of the time we act like Adam and Eve in the garden that when they sin, they run and hide from God. Like, I'm not here. I'm hiding. He's just going to destroy me. You know what I mean? And so we have this view that maybe God won't forgive me or maybe my sin is just too crippling. It's too powerful for the blood of Jesus to atone for, which is not true, right? It's just the devil in your head trying to mess with you from confessing to God. Or maybe you think that your sin is just so unique to you, like no one deals with what I deal with. Like I can't confess this because it's just so unique. Guess what? It's not. There's no sin out there that is unique to you. I guarantee it. I can promise you this. And so when God convicts us in an area of our life, the best option is to just confess the sin. Just own it. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to talk your way around it or fight against it. Just be like, God, you're right. You've highlighted this area of my life. Help me out. Help me out. Find a Christian brother or sister and be like, hey, I can't do this by myself. I need your help. I'm going to confess this to you and be real with you and then have them help you. Because the faster you confess, the quicker you can be forgiven and transformed. And the Bible puts it like this, so you know these aren't just my own words. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what is that saying? Let's not hide stuff that God already knows about. Let's just confess it and live in a transformed way. And in your confession, you realize that you're still loved, you are forgiven, and God still chooses you. Don't let your sin create this gap between you and Jesus. Because it's not Jesus that seems far away. It's the sin you're keeping between you and him that is causing a stumbling block to you and your closeness with him. Amen? Turn with me to the last few verses. Nehemiah chapter 10, starting verse 28. We'll read to 29. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. 
that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his rules and his statutes. And these people are joining together because God's word solidifies. It brings people together. And these people have made a serious pact. Like, they've experienced this amazing revival. They've, they're, they're reading the Bible constantly. This is a multiple-day thing. They're worshiping. I mean, and, and they're on the spiritual high, and they realize the only way for this to continue for them to actually fulfill this command to, to follow God's law and do what's right, to live holy, is if they do it together. What, why is that important? Because church, we need one another. You need each other. We need the entire body of Christ. Because when you come to Christ, you make that decision, right? Lord Jesus, I give you everything. I give you my life. I want to become more like you. I want to die to my flesh. But if you've been a Christian for more than like, Maybe even a day, you realize how hard it actually is to be a Christian. Is it easy to anyone being a Christian in this room? Okay, thank you, right? Because it's difficult. And why is that? Well, I think it's because being a Christian, like, goes against all of our flesh the majority of the time. What do I mean by that? Well, as a race, as human beings, we tend to be very rebellious. We tend to be inward-centered. We want to be on the top of the food chain we want to be served. We want to do what makes us happy, even if someone else is irritated by it. Like, this is natural. Trust me, because I've got a four-month-old baby who fits all of these details. All about me. I want food. I want this. Serve me. Take care of me. No consideration for me or her mother, right? And so that's what we are initially and instinctively, okay? We are like that. And so in short, to walk this walk in Christ, we need what's called accountability. We need some help in this area. And have you guys ever seen the Snickers commercials? Has anyone? Yeah? Okay, I've got a laugh, so I'm going to use it. All right. So I saw this Snickers commercial recently, right? And you have, it's supposed to be a rap duel, okay? And you have this one guy who looks like a rapper, I don't know, stereotypical. And then you have this other guy who's supposed to be battling, but instead of a rapper, like, it's Elton John. And instead of rapping, he's like singing a song to him. And I don't understand. And so you have this other guy behind Elton John or beside him. He's like, hey, man, like, you're completely out of character. Like, eat a Snickers. You're hungry. And then he eats the Snickers and is transformed back to a rapper. And then, like, you know, they start rapping, whatever else. And so it's a funny illustration, but it points out that a lot of times when we claim to follow Christ, we're put in situations where we are not looking like it. We don't look like we follow Christ. We aren't acting like we follow Christ. We're not in our word. We're supposed to be the light of the world, but yet we look like everyone else around us, like we are the oddball out what we are supposed to be. Who we are meant to be, we don't look like. And so those times we need our Christian brothers and sisters to remind us of who we really are. The Snickers represents like God's word, you know, and encouragement. That's the illustration. You're welcome. I should have had a Snickers. That would have been great. But anyways, so it's like, man, you need that. We, a lot of times we need that from time to time. We need a godly influence to check us with God's word so we can act like the citizens of heaven that we are in Christ. A lot of you need to be reminded, right? We need that from one another. We need to be reminded of who we are supposed to be. And so honestly, though, we have these moments where we know what the right thing is to do but we don't always do it, right? Um, does anyone else have this problem? It's kind of weird. Man. I thought it was unique to me. I'm just kidding. So anyways, like a lot of times someone can say something 
um, kind of snarky or sarcastic to you, right? And say, for example, like something that I used to struggle with, and kind of do still, like if someone's like, no, you look like you put on a couple pounds, you know? And I'm like, are you serious? Like in my mind, I'm like, mind of Christ, right? Like don't say anything back. But then my flesh starts talking, and he's like, get them. And so I look at the person, and I'm like, yeah, maybe, but like your face is wrecked for life, so I don't really, you know what I mean? Like that's not how you're supposed to answer that situation, right? You're not supposed to be like rude and render evil for evil, right? Vengeance is mine, say the Lord. Let him take care of it. But in those moments, we don't necessarily do it, and so we need those Christian relationships. To walk in holiness, we need encouragement from other people because when we make those mistakes, we need to be like, guys, I totally ripped this person a new one. Like pray for me that God would help me out so I don't continually do that. And through that, you start to grow. And if you don't struggle with stuff like that, guess what? Other people do. And they need you to encourage them. They need you to help them out. Amen? And so, honestly, accountability, though it's a great thing, it can hurt sometimes, too. I don't know if you've experienced this, but having someone to read your mail can feel painful. Um, I had this guy that I used to work with, and uh, I'm not going to say his name because um, I don't know if he's listening. I don't want him to hear. But he was like the typical like millennial guy, like just in my like super lazy, like didn't care. Like he shows up to work and like I blessed you with my presence. Like I don't need to do anything, and I just hate that. And uh, I was talking to my wife and just share the things, and I was like, you know what? I really believe God put him in my so I can be a godly influence to him, that I can show him what a godly man looks like and, and love him still and everything else. And she's like, that's awesome. Like, I'll help you out with that. Well, one day it was just not good for me, I guess. And uh, he just was extra annoying. And so even like he had a water bottle and was like going to pretend to like dump it on me, like the cap was off. It was going to fall on me. And like, I did not do a godly thing because I was like, like smacked it out of his hand and like said some choice words to him. I didn't cuss him out or anything, but like I was not nice to the guy. I, was, I didn't act like Jesus in that moment, right? And so I was like, I can't believe this guy. This is, I'm having enough of this. And so I call Shay, and I'm like, I'm the victim in this situation, okay? He's been mean to me. And so I'm like, can you believe him? And she's like, I can't believe you. Like, you wanted to be a godly influence to him, and now you're not living like Christ. I'm like, you are not living out the gospel. And I'm like, stop, you're supposed to be on my side, you know what I mean? But it, it's that reminder, like, that didn't feel good to be, like, reprimanded by your wife, right? But she was doing what I had asked her to do. I needed that accountability, and she helped me out. So in those moments when, when you actually seek someone out because it's something you have to do, right? I mean, no one can read your mind and know what you're dealing with. You've got to sometimes, like, hey, I struggle with this. Can you help me in that? But by doing that, don't get so offended and messed up when they actually hold you accountable even when it hurts, because accountability does hurt. It's not always easy. But that's important because the devil does his best work in isolation. Like, when you separate yourself from the body of Christ, like, you know the Bible says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion? Like, how do lions hunt? Do they go after the entire pack? No. They go after the weak one, and they go after one that's, that's not very smart to stay with the group, right? They get the one that's all by themselves. And so when you aren't confessing your sins, when you aren't being a part of the body of Christ, when you're not letting God's word transform you, you can slowly just separate yourself from the body and think you can do this all by yourself. But then that's where it gets hardest, and that's where you feel the most attacked because no one is there to take arms with you because you have postured yourself so far away from the body of Christ. And so that's why our growth groups are so important. 
That's why Pastor Matt and Stacey are so passionate about it, because you need other Christian uh, uh, disciples that can be there to encourage you, to love you, to pray with you, to fight with you, because if you don't have that and you feel like you're doing it all by yourself, you're going to lose. You cannot walk this walk out of living the gospel by yourself. You need other people that can take arms with you and help you. And if you feel like you're good, there are other people that need you to help them. Maybe you're really strong in an area and someone's not. God has made you strong in that area so you can help build up the body of Christ, so you can advance the kingdom, so we can walk in holiness together because there are no lone rangers in the kingdom. Amen? And so to do what Jesus has called us to do, to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations, like that's not just a one-person job. That is his body. That is all of us. And even if you're called to a specific type of ministry, you have a certain call on your life, you are not going to be able to fulfill that by yourself. You are going to need the help of the saints. And that is anyone who follows Jesus. We need each other. Amen. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.